the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. We continue our Summer of Sharks this week with the threequel that was 21 years in the making. It's Deep Blue Sea 3. Yes, folks, it's another Summer of Sharks movie, and it's another sequel this week as well. It's 2020's Deep Blue Sea 3, directed by John Perg. And this is a movie we definitely needed during the pandemic, for sure, and we'll get into why. <laughs> but before that, we'll tell you a little bit about the plot of Deep Blue Sea 3, in the words of the great Reganis. Off the coast of Mozambique, somewhere in the middle of the vast Indian Ocean, the rapidly sinking artificial islet known as Little Happy and its last two residents are facing the effects of global warming. There, the passionate marine biologist Dr Emma Collins and her team are studying the impact of climate change on great white sharks who come to mate in the peaceful marine conservatory. When unexpectedly, Emma's old flame Richard Lowell arrives on a research vessel. Now, in high hopes of capturing three rogue genetically enhanced bull sharks, Richard drags Dr. Collins in a fierce battle of survival, as the trio of fast underwater killers have already picked up the fragrant scent of human blood in the water. In the wake of the Achaeus Complex massacre in Deep Blue Sea 2 2018, missed that one, sorry guys, a new bloodbath is waiting to happen. Of course, in the name of science, will humans ever learn? No, humans will never learn by the... <laughs> tracking of this one and the rest of it and overall this isn't a bad sequel at all it's quite entertaining it's a bit creaky some of the acting's a bit dodgy it isn't as good as the first one but by all accounts it's a lot better than the second one so you don't necessarily have perhaps you've seen any other deep blue sea films i don't think in terms of watching this because even though they might be interlinked I didn't feel that I was missing anything when I got into this. I mean, obviously, you've got the situation with the island. Again, I didn't know that that was linked to the sequel. But it doesn't matter because this is very much switch your brain off fun. There is some quite poignant topics in there. Obviously, the effect of climate change on the world. And it does give you food for thought there. But ultimately, we have got more bull shark action in this. The shark scientific experiments is obviously very reminiscent of first deep blue sea but otherwise we've got different characters and a different setting and it's just a lot of fun and there's some really great unexpected moments in this that did bring me some joy i will say in this film 
the male characters on the whole, oh my God, they're a bunch of pricks, especially Richard, the love interest. Now, I found when he arrived on screen, there was something really smarmy about him. And I don't know if that was what we were supposed to get from the character or whether we were supposed to root for him and the lead character, Dr. Emma Collins, to rekindle their lost romance. I don't know if we were supposed to root for that, but I was just getting red flag vibes from this guy the whole movie. And I'm going to have to get into a spoiler alert. This guy has the funniest, most effective death scene in this entire film. Oh my God, I did not see it coming and it just made me laugh so much. Like, you think that they're going to go down the route where he's going to be the big hero alongside the lead character, but it doesn't go that way at all. And as I say, it just brings me a lot of joy, some of the death scenes in this. The sharks are ridiculously CGI. I mean, the CGI in this movie is over the top. It looks incredibly fake, so it can take you out of it. You cannot take it completely seriously. But all in all, it's a very entertaining movie. And yeah, I've got nothing really negative to say about it because I got a lot of enjoyment out of watching it. Yeah, it's a fun movie. I think, as you say, if you switch your brain off and just get ready for some shark action and don't expect too much, you will enjoy it. It rattles along at a fair old pace. There's quite a lot of disposable characters in there, most of whom will get killed by the end of it. You're right about the love interest. It does do a little bit of a bait and switch on you with the love interest because at the start you do think it's that whole two exes coming together, there's a bit of friction, will they get back together? Then you're thinking, no, they probably won't. And then Richard goes to be the big hero and says, like, right, I'm going back to Emma. And it's a little bit of a callback to the first one. If you remember the first one, or if you've seen the first one, there's a bit where Samuel L. Jackson does this rousing speech about how they're going to get out of there. And the minute he finishes the speech, he gets killed by a shark. This is very reminiscent of the Samuel L. Jackson death. It's a different way of him dying. It's funny as fuck. Absolutely great. Because you kind of think, right, what's he going to do? Because he's going to dive in the water. But you're thinking, well, you know, maybe the sharks are going to get him or the sharks are going to go after him in the water. Doesn't even get to the water. He's in midair. When the shark gets him, and it's absolutely hilarious. And to be perfectly honest, he is a prick. So I was thinking, fine, let the sharks get him. There's far more sympathetic characters in this movie. And again, we've got bull shark action. And as somebody points out, bull sharks can exist in fresh water. So we're back to that old bull shark stuff again, which is quite pleasing. And you're right again about the male characters. The male characters are just arseholes in this movie. Even the ones who are not boorish, nasty, thuggish pricks. They're still idiots. I mean, the tech guy is an idiot. Sure, he isn't too bad. He's kind of the token nice bloke in there. But everybody else is out for themselves, or they're just mercenary killers. Which leaves a last half hour where you're thinking, you actually want the sharks to get most of them. You're on the side of the sharks for quite a lot of this movie. There are people you don't want to get eaten like Dr. Emma. Dr. Emma doesn't get the same weird close-up bikini shot that Saffron Burroughs did in the first one. There's kind of a shot that's like that, but it isn't as leering and pervy as it is in the first one. And she's quite a decent character. You've got a couple of locals in there, which you think, well, one of them at least is going to die. And that's true. One of them does die. Poor guy's out fishing, gets eaten. You find a bit of his arm later on in the movie 
it's pretty good this movie i mean it was straight to video yeah well straight to digital i i always oh, like to call these video. things <laughs> i always like to call these things straight to video and it actually is warner home entertainment so it kind of conjured up that whole 80s 90s shot for cheap straight to video stuff and it does rekindle all the spirit of that stuff and it's a pretty decent movie and i guess with some of the crap that's been out recently at the cinemas this probably could have had a theatrical run no problem because it looks decent the acting's passable it's quite thrilling there's a few laughs in it there are a few callbacks to the first movie if you like that sort of thing and it just delivers what shark movies should do a lot of shark action a bit of blood some suspense couple of jump scares so i've got no problem with this movie it isn't going to be something that you're going to remember half an hour after you've watched it but that doesn't matter while you're in there it's a good time well i will never forget that scene though that one death yes. scene oh it was just the best i absolutely loved it. it just made me laugh so much and also going back to the poor local guy on the boat well, I say poor local guy because he was a bit stupid with the whole thing. So it's one of those scenes where the guy is literally leering over the boat when he knows that there's dangerous sharks lurking in the waters and still does it. And you kind of, they're going, oh, 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 here, here we go. And then, of course, when his boat then turns up and his friends, they locate it and they're pulling the net up, you're like, oh, we're going to see something gruesome now. And it, it's just playing up to what the audience expect and what they want from it. And then, as you say, we get this, like, really fake-looking severed arm. As you say, this is a lot of fun. And the reason I say we needed this type of movie during the pandemic, not that we watched it then, however, I think it was just one that you could just be entertained by and not have to think too deeply about, especially when the world was in a very dark place. You just need something that's going to lighten the tone a bit and be a bit ridiculous and a bit stupid. And I mean, the ending, it goes on and on and on, but in such a ridiculous way, we are like, okay, what are they going to pull out the bag for us next? And the sidekick character of Richard, there's this other guy, turns out to be the main villain of Peace. And he just kind of transforms from quite reserved to absolute panto villain and it is just too much fun and then when you think he's dead he comes back and you're just like oh come off it didn't this guy get blown up earlier but no no he's back a bit weathered a bit burnt up but yeah still ready to go ahead with another battle with the lead character again so yeah as you say it doesn't really objectify women as such in this film but it definitely objectifies the men which is interesting we get a lot of close-up body shots and there was me sitting there going oh this is one for the ladies (laughs) yeah that's fair (laughs) enough as well of course (laughs) one for everybody that's absolutely a nice bit of six-pack on show yeah that's absolutely fine why not (laughs) there's plenty of shark movies that objectify the women and just present them in skimpy bikini so why not have something where the men are being laid at by the camera to be honest that's what they're there for because they're not there to advance the plot and they're not there to be the nice guys. Emma's the one who has all the good ideas and drives everything. So she's carrying on the tradition of strong female characters in modern shark movies. It's a million miles from things like Devilfish. If she was in Devilfish, she would be screaming and topless probably and wanting to get rescued by thick-headed, 
Italian guys pretending to be Americans. But it's not like this. This is Deep Blue Sea 3. This is a completely different style of shark movie. And it does what it says on the tin, basically. It does deliver shark action. The CGI sharks, yeah, they're a bit ropey. But there's quite a lot of effects. They do use them quite extensively. There's a decent puppet or two near the end. There's a fight between Emma and the shark where it's going through this garbage crusher, which is quite exciting. It's quite fun. And there's a little bit of an Alien 3 nod where the shark's going really close to her. And as soon as it was on there, I was like, yeah, that's Alien 3, isn't it? But that's fun as well because it's referencing a few other movies, but not in a really obvious way. It's just if you happen to notice it, it's in there. If you don't, it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the movie whatsoever. And as thirds in movie trilogies go, this isn't too bad at all. Having not seen the second one, but having seen the reviews and having heard a lot of people complain about how rubbish the second was, then I think this is probably a good move that we skipped the middle part of this trilogy because this is really fun. The last half hour, it's just batshit. There's explosions, there's things collapsing, there's shark attacks, there's boats sinking, there's explosive charges, there's these weird explosive dart things. There's chasers, there's stuff on fire. It's completely ludicrous, the last 30 minutes. But you want a final act that pays off in some way. And this one really does. You don't get a little bit of action at the end. Basically, the final act is just complete chaos. And something this does differently compared to many of the movies we've already covered on this podcast is the beginning, we actually see that... Emma is, she's got a bond with this great white shark, she's called it Sally, and even though it does violently push her into a rock, but she's like, no, this is fine, this is fine, it's still quite an interesting take that she's got this quite caring bond with this shark, and it's not what you expect, so immediately the shark isn't actually the threat in this film to begin with, And it's only when they unleash the ball shark action and that's when we start to see more of that kind of stuff. But again, it's not the shark's fault. It's the humans. It's humans are bad. And this is what this movie is basically conveying in this. So I thought, as I say, that was quite interesting because we've already entered the movie. We know it's a shark movie. We're waiting for that threat to emerge. And actually it's like, oh no, it's kind of like I've got a bit of a pet shark here. There's also a very gruesome scene where we see some sharks completely mutilated. So that was something a bit different. So we've got the bull sharks against the great whites in this to a point. But again, this is, yeah, man versus nature and man, as Nick Regana says, never learning, basically, and taking matters into their own hands and thinking that they can change the world. But nature always prevails. And as you said, Darren, about strong female characters, very much like the Reef Stalked, which we covered in last week's episode, this ends with a group of women banding together, having survived and entering back into civilization. So it's quite a strong ending, a very empowering ending, although quite humorous as well, because one of the characters, we think she's died earlier in the movie, and basically they find her because she is floating in basically a chest of drawers and they open the cupboard and there she is and then she's like you're not a shark there's such cheesy lines in this as well the dialogue you cannot take it seriously 
But, you know, if you're just like you've had a long day at work and you just want to put something on that isn't going to challenge you too much and you just want to chill and have a laugh, this is the kind of film that you want, especially if you're into horror movies, black comedies, the shark movie genre, obviously. If more niche movies are your bag, I would say, yeah, definitely, this is something fun to watch. Yeah, it's not got the suspense dial cranked up quite as much as something like The Reef Stock. So if you were chewing your fingernails during The Reef Stock and you don't want any more of that, this is safe to watch. There are a couple of jump scares, but nothing to trouble you that much. The bit at the end where they find her in the chest of drawers, it's one excuse for one last jump scare, but it's not very well done because you kind of know that she's going to jump out of the chest of drawers anyway. But that's quite good because it does throw you for a bit of a loop because she's clearly died or has she clearly died earlier in the movie there's a shark attack in a a hut which collapses and then it swims away and there's blood in the water so you do think she's dead but you never see her die and they do bring her back in the last few minutes there's some ridiculous dialogue as you say because at some point they dump a body into the water for the sharks to get as they're trying to lure them in to kill them off and the guy says Sorry, chum. That's a terrible lie. You've got to have some reference to chum in a shark movie, but to have it referred to by some guy getting thrown over to be torn apart by the sharks, it's that sort of movie. The screenplay isn't going to win any awards, but it doesn't have to win any awards because it knows what it wants to be. It's got some fun exchanges of dialogue. It's not going to have that pull of characterisation like Jaws has. The characters are okay, but they're not particularly developed. They're all very much ciphers, like the IT guy is very geeky. The sinister people from the genetic lab company, they're all very gruff and boorish and want to kill everything. The Richard character from the start, he's just a complete sleaze and never deviates from it. And I like the fact that when he actually decides that he doesn't want to be a sleaze, it costs him his life. And it's like, well, you know, you were asking for that, mate. This is payback for you being an arse for the first hour of the movie. There's a fight at the end out of nowhere. One guy could have killed Shaw with a gun or whatever, and then he just throws it down and they have a fight. Instead, it's that sort of movie. Shaw gets his own very heroic death sequence by blowing himself up in a couple of the sharks. The bit with Shaw is great because It's about 45 seconds of him in the water and Emma and Nandy's characters shouting, Shaw, Shaw, get out of the water, Shaw, Shaw, get out, get out of the water, Shaw, Shaw, Shaw. It's like, Dan, Dan, it's like, Shaw, get out of the water, get out of the water. Then he dies and then there's one last Shaw at the end of it. And the thing is, he was being circulated by the sharks anyway, so he couldn't realistically get out of that water. And I think that's what makes it so funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can pull this movie to bits if you like, and I'm sure there's lots of people that have done. And I did notice a review from uh, Megan Navarro, which said it isn't a good movie by normal standards, but it is entertaining. And I guess that's right. If you just go into this movie thinking it's going to be the greatest thing ever, and you're reference point of shark movies is only Jaws this is going to wind you up because it's not going to be Jaws but you have to set that one aside nothing's Jaws everything's got its own particular stamp and if you set 
that to the back of your mind and forget about Jaws, then this is 100 minutes of decent entertainment. There's very few flat spots in it. There's always something going on. The plot's always moving in different directions. There's lots and lots of tech speak that tries to pass off why these things are happening. The internet goes down at one point and the IT guy goes, that's the thing my whole life is based on. So it's that sort of characterization. It's not meant to be deep and meaningful. It's just meant to be a shark movie. Absolutely. And the setting is really interesting because it is this small floating island. There's like barely anything there. I think they've got like a bar and a restaurant and there's two people that actually live there. And of course, Emma and her co-workers who are there to basically explore this connection between the great white sharks and global warming. So obviously it's good intentions. Obviously the bad guys swoop in and then cause all the chaos. So as you say, the plot just you know moves along nicely. It's very well paced. I never felt bored throughout this once. It just does what it says on the tin. It's one of those movies. And as you say, um, to quote the, the review we quoted, yeah, absolutely, I totally agree with her on that. It's not a great movie, technically or anything like that, but it's just a fun movie. And if you can suspend your disbelief, you're going to have a good time. It does take you out of the moment a bit with anything serious because of how fake the sharks look. Like, the CGI just does not look good. But that's fine because it adds to the charm of it, and I don't mind that. The gore is fun. There's plenty of gore in it. Nothing like too wild, but there's enough gore to satisfy you if you are a gore hound when it comes to horror. So, yeah, with that said, let's see the scores. Let's check them out. So, it has a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Pretty fair. But quite remarkably, it has a 71% tomato meter and a 45% audience score. Now, bear in mind, 2020, there wasn't a lot of movies coming out thick and fast like usual. We were stuck inside. So maybe the critics, you know, got a little bit softer in the pandemic because I can't believe this has a 71% tomato meter. That's just blown my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting that the critics latched onto this more than the audience did. I think maybe there's a bit of nostalgia for the original movie and it does act as a sort of template from the first one it does have its own tricks but it is recalling some of the stuff that you liked about the first deep blue sea so maybe the critics thought yeah as a kind of pastiche of the first one it's pretty decent and there is decent action in it and it is there to have fun it's not trying to terrify you in any way at all you're not going to have nightmares about watching this movie it is a very, very silly movie at the heart of it all. And that's great. You want a fun shark movie sometimes. And you need stupid action and dumb characters and things setting on fire and exploding for almost no reason at all, just because, like, well, hey, let's blow something up. I've got a lot of time for this movie. It's not going to be right at the top of the list of shark movies, but it's going to be a very, very long way from the bottom for me. And... I had a lot of fun with it. I'm certainly going to watch it again because it's that sort of movie where if you're wanting something to cheer you up, put a smile on your face, stick Deep Blue Sea 3 on because it is quite fun. It's the sort of thing that you don't have to tax your brain too much with and there's plenty of decent moments in it. As you say, the gore isn't too extreme. There's some quite imaginative stuff. One guy 
gets decapitated very briefly, but in quite an imaginative way. It's not that level of gore that you're going to be rushing out to be sick. It's just very, very silly. Absolutely. And considering we technically own this film now because it's available to buy on Amazon Prime, $4.99, you can either get it in HD or SD for the same price. And I would say just get it in HD because you're going to be paying for it. So you may as well have the best quality. And, you know, it does look good, like scenery-wise, cinematography, it does look great, especially the underwater shots. But we can say that about a lot of these movies because they do go all out in showcasing the beauty of the underwater world, which is always nice to see. And it's a bit of an escapism as well, just going into that tranquil underwater vibe. But obviously dangers are always lurking. So watch out for those sharks because they come for you in shallow waters, fresh water, deep blue water it was 4.99 well spent as far as i'm concerned also shot in south africa can't really tell but that was clearly a location decision maybe a budgetary decision on the part of warner but yeah it's a really good movie this i was approaching it with a little bit of trepidation because you never know with the sequel and considering the battering the second one took in terms of reviews I was thinking, well, it might not have to be that much better than the second one for people to go, oh, it was better than two. But this is a very decent movie and it's well worth your time and you will have fun with it. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 107 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy our content, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. What's coming next? It's another Summer of Sharks episode, of course. We've got a couple more of these to go. And the next one is going to be very interesting. Firstly, because we've got a guest. And secondly, it's one of the Italian rip-offs of Jaws, which cleaves very close to its source material. It's 1995's Cruel Jaws, directed by Bruno Mattai. And we are looking forward to welcoming back Kate Orton onto the podcast. You may have heard our previous episodes with her, including Deep Blue Sea and The Meg, plus some others last year too. So we're looking forward to speaking to her about Cruel Jaws. And I'm also looking forward to my first viewing of this film because I love the 90s. I love shark movies. I love bad movies, so hopefully this has got all the right ingredients, but we will see. Oh, it has. Brace yourself. (laughs) Until then, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.